Live from Pacific Junction Hotel, Girth Radio. All right, we're good to go. Are you good to go? Yes, I am. Thank you. Yo, welcome to my summer lair. Uh, I'm your host, Sammy Yunan, and today I have uh, author and filmmaker Joshua Harris, who in the late 90s penned the book, I Kiss Dating Goodbye. And the documentary kind of rebuttal and follow-up to that book is I Survived, I Kiss Dating Goodbye. So I want to ask a somewhat obvious question off the, the bat. The I Survived in this documentary, I Survived, I Kiss Dating Goodbye. Does the I Survived part, does that apply to the people either harmed by the book or the culture facilitated, or is this about you and that you have managed to survive this experience? <laughs> That's a great question, yeah. Well, it's basically just like I Kiss Dating Goodbye. You know, we wanted to come up with a title that captured the fact that we were telling my story, but we wanted it to be a statement that other people could adopt as their own, which is the same thing with I Kiss Dating Goodbye, you know, and me saying I stopped dating, mm-hmm. but then other people adopted that to say, well, I Kiss Dating Goodbye as well. And um, so that was the goal with the title, I Survived I Kiss Dating Goodbye. We wanted to do something positive that, regardless of people's perspective of the book, that they were able to look back and say, you know, my own life and choices and what I'm doing today is bigger than whatever was wrong with, with a book. And I can move forward and I can, I can, uh, I can be the person I'm supposed to be. And so the book, as I said, was published in the late, uh, late 90s, uh, 1997, and I kissed dating goodbye. The, uh, the book and the documentary, they're both focused on Christian dating. Can you just elaborate a little right. bit on what Christian dating is and how that is like different from like regular dating? Well, I don't know that it's that different than regular dating, to be honest. I mean, it's, it's, it's all about two people trying to get to know each other with differing levels of interest in sex and commitment and marriage and so on. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, can be, it can be a little bit dicey. I mean, I, I, when I talk to people, whether they're Christian or secular or whatever, you know, in between, a lot of people complain about dating. It can be a lot of work. It can be a game. There can be a lot of heartache involved and so on. I think what's different about Christian dating, at least when I was first writing my book, is that there is a somewhat common understanding that there's a sexual ethic for Christians that's different than people who are not Christians. Mm -hmm. And that includes things like saving sex for marriage and those types of things. But, uh, you know, the statistics show that a huge percentage of, um, a large percentage of Christians end up having sex before marriage. And so in many ways, I don't know that it's that different than secular people. You had in the documentary, I think it was a woman for the Washington Post, I think it was? Yeah, that's right. Uh, She writes like an advice or dating type of column. And she, in talking about modern dating and Tinder and these apps and all these kind of experiences, obviously right. your book was written way before even sexting and all these crazy things we have now. But she, the phrase that she <laughs> used is PTSD, uh, which I thought was kind of yeah. interesting, just like going from experience to experience and like having a couple right. of good first dates and then maybe it doesn't work out or somebody goes on to something else. And that's kind of an right. interesting term to apply to something that should quote quote unquote be fun and be kind of a joyful experience yeah that was really an intriguing conversation because you know in the in i survived i kiss dating goodbye which i i do just want to say uh was a a 
huge team effort, and it was led by Jessica Vander Weingard, who is a, a woman who is a fellow student at the graduate school that I was at, and we did this film together, and she was a huge part of directing and producing the film. She really had the vision for it and so on. But, you know, we were talking to all these Christians primarily who were disillusioned with my book and frustrated with that and kind of, you know, critiquing the problems that my book created, which are real and which I've tried to own. But it was interesting when I'm talking to this woman who is coming from a completely non-Christian background, Mm -hmm. you know, she never heard of my book before we talked to each other. And she was basically expressing a lot of the same frustration with dating that led me to write the book in the first place. (laughs) And, you know, what that says to me is, is not that the conclusions of my book were right, but that, you know, the whole process of relations, you know, romance and relationships and dating today is complex. There can be a lot of emotional pain from that. You know, as you said, she used the phrase PTSD. There's a certain reality that, you know, our hearts get, get hurt. Uh, over the course of time, and that can that can have an effect on us and our our sense of confidence in in starting new relationships. It's really intimidating because we get we often get sold this idea of the one that there's one person out yeah. there, but there's seven billion people out there. So those are not good odds, generally speaking, that you could somehow <laughs> stumble yeah. or wander into some sort of party or event or elevator, and then there she is or there he is. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's so true. Yeah, well. You know, that's an interesting thing because I think it's like this massive, this really high standard, like you're going to find someone who's going to be like this perfect romantic fit, going to be your soulmate and, and so on. So that's crazy. And then you have access to millions of people in a way that you didn't in the past. So, you know, like the comedian Aziz Ansari, he wrote this book, uh, Modern Romance, which mm-hmm. surprisingly has, I, I thought was very insightful in many ways. But he just talked about the fact that like, 50 to, you know, 100 years ago, people would meet and marry people that lived in the like one block radius of of them in New York City or something. Whereas now you have like thousands of options and you have because of like dating apps, you feel like, you know, you can actually choose from all these thousands and thousands of different people which creates a, a tremendous level of stress because it's like, gosh, maybe I should look a little more. And what, what, what about this option? It's just endless. Yeah. You talk about people being disillusioned with the, the book. And so this is what prompted the documentary. You had a lot of uh, critics and criticisms that you were dealing with, but at the same time, you were also being lauded and applauded for some of the things in the book because there were people who did benefit from the book. So how did you know which voice to kind of listen to, knowing that you're going to upset somebody or annoy somebody or irritate somebody? Yeah, you know, I I did uh, upset people when I disagreed with my, my book. And, and I, I think what's important is I, I didn't want to invalidate anybody's story. I think that that's something that the world really we all need to grow in is this appreciation of the fact that our experience and our story is not the only one, you know? someone of a different age, a different gender, a different sexual orientation, a different race, you know, even someone that's just like us in the same family. I mean, I've I've seen this with, you know, people who have siblings, they can have a completely different experience of relationships, you know, because of their personality or just because of the timing of who their friends are, whatever it might be. And and so I think we, we need to have a lot of compassion for other people. We need to be more interested in understanding and hearing them than we are 
imposing our experience and our viewpoint on other people. And I think that's the mistake of I could say to goodbye is that I was number one, young, inexperienced, and I felt like I had all these answers and that there was one way to do things, you know, and don't date and your life will turn out this way. And, you know, and so I kind of imposed my experience and my stories on people in a way that, that ended up being unhelpful to people. So as I went back and reevaluated, you know, the, the issue for me was I just had to, uh, it couldn't be a popularity contest. It couldn't be, well, how many positive stories do I get? Or how many negative <laughs> stories do I get? It's like, I had to say, what do I actually think now? Here are the things that I'm learning. And I want to encourage people to think for themselves, whether they agree with my book or don't agree with my book, think for yourself. I felt like it was important for me to be honest about where my thinking had changed. And I would also say, I think, you know, if the same book helps one person, but then really hurts somebody else, I think there's a, a greater burden to, to try to go to the person that's been hurt and to do what you can to make amends for that in some way. Uh, because the person's doing great. It's fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the, the person that's hurting, I feel like that is, if there's any theme in, in the Christian scriptures, it's of God being the person, the one who, who goes after the, the, the person that's hurt and wandering and hurting. Yeah, the teacher doesn't need to spend any time, extra time with the A student. It's the C plus and uh, the D students that need the extra bit of time and tutoring. Well, I know I've always appreciated that when people have come come towards me in moments where I'm, you know, feeling feeling weak and mm-hmm. and I, you know, I I honestly think that there were real problems in my my book and that. Uh, you know, it it was unhelpful to people. It harmed people. So is it fair, I don't know if fair is the right word necessarily, but is it fair for you to accept a lot of the criticisms that you got? Because a lot of people who were raised in the church were also dealing with pastors and adults and other people who were sending the wrong signals and sharing harmful ideas. Like it was kind mm-hmm. of all compounded. It wasn't necessarily you. You know what I mean? Like pe- when people mm-hmm. get divorced, it's never just like, one thing like he always left the, the the cap off the toothpaste or something i have to get divorced now there's always a multiple number of reasons why people get divorced i guess fair is that the right word to like for you to accept those criticisms knowing that it was part of a culture right well i just i think that it's impossible for anybody myself included to kind of perfectly unpack every element of who was responsible and who, what influenced what and all those types of things. I'm just trying to take responsibility for the the part that I know that I played. I wrote a book and people read that book and, you know, it wasn't the only influence in their life. There were a lot of other things going on and a lot of people recognize that and have said that. Mm -hmm. And there are some people that maybe they give me too much credit for some positive things and maybe too much blame for some negative things, but I just want to be, taking the responsibility that I can take. And I think that's, that's what we all need to do. You know, it's like, there's so many problems in the world that everybody, you know, wants to find somebody else to blame. And, and I think if we can all just kind of step forward and say, what part can I play in, in fixing this? What part can I play in making a positive difference? Mm-hmm. That's the only way that anything will, will possibly get better. In terms of the part that you played, the, the book was a monster success and obviously had a great impact on a number of people and a number of churches. Why do you feel that God kind of either opened that door somehow or orchestrated some of these situations? Like the book could have come out and just not been a bestseller. A lot of books just kind of hit the, the bookstore and just kind of flop. 
Right, sure, yeah. This one kind of got blessed in a way and it kind of was like a runaway bestseller. So why do you feel right. that God kind of opened the doors or was this all part of your journey, I guess? Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't understand all the mysteries of why things happen the way that they do. I think that one thing that I realized is just because something sells a lot or becomes popular doesn't mean that God is blessing it. It just means that a lot of people are liking that idea. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, there are lots of, you know, pornography is like hugely popular too, you know, and that's not healthy (laughs) or necessarily beneficial. You know, they're just all, or whatever. I mean, name the band that you think is awful, you know, that sells millions of records. It's like, we can all think of something where we're like, well, that doesn't mean that God's blessing it. That just means, you know, it, it became popular. So I, I think that that's one thing that I that I think it's important for all of us to, to think about with trends and with ideas, but especially in the church, is just because everybody's into it, just because it's selling books, just because the preacher who's saying it has a big following doesn't necessarily mean that God is blessing it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you read the Old Testament, there are all these places, or even the New Testament for that matter, there are all these moments where the person that's actually God's man or woman is scorned, rejected, uncool, unpopular, in a in the bottom of a well, in jail, you know, being persecuted, whatever it might be. And the people that are on top of the world and, you know, selling books and so on are not actually delivering God's message. So I think we have to be really careful to, you know, equate those things. Yeah. Uh, I want to pick up on the one of the interesting threads in the documentary which is that you've lived in America and you've also lived in Canada. So how have yeah. you seen the, the purity movement between the two countries? Because Canada does have a separate, it's very similar culture to America, but there is a, there's a bit of differences. Like the purity movement feels a lot more stronger in America than it does here. It doesn't seem to be as much of a big deal in Canada. Uh, how have mm. you seen it between the two countries? Yeah, um, I don't feel like I, I can really in a really informed way comment on that because, you know, when I moved here three and a half years ago, the, the purity culture had, from, from you know, all intents and purposes run its course. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, uh, you know, about the influence uh, exactly, but um, I do think it seems to me just from almost like a personality basis that Americans are much more like kind of bandwagony and, you know, into getting like (laughs) super excited about things. And Canadians just seem a little bit more like chill, just kind of like, okay, well that that might be good, but we're not going to like get all riled up about it. So (laughs) I think that may, I think that may have protected Canadians a little bit from, from that. I mean, like, I don't know if this is a, if this is a universal thing, but Mm -hmm. again, I've only been in Canada for three years, but, you know, like my friends here, they they like if they see a celebrity on the street in Canada, they're not going to be like, oh my gosh, and make a big deal about it and ask for a photo. Where like in America, I feel like Americans would freak out and yeah. make a big deal of that. So I, I don't know if that reflects that or not. <laughs> yeah, no, it, that's that's why I brought it up. I found that a lot of the period movement kind of underscored a lot of the same elements as um, the fear of weed when we were growing up in the 80s. It was this idea that oh, you would like drop out of high school and you'd be all destitute and you wouldn't contribute to the economy. And it was this <laughs> massive fear that like it would it would be a right. gateway drug and ruin you and like right. And it was propelled. You're saying that was in 
was that in Canada or was that in the states? It both, both in Canada and the states, but much more in the oh, states because yeah. obviously you have yeah. to contribute to the economy, right? God help you <laughs> if you don't contribute to the economy. But it's right. just, it's <laughs> but it's the underpinning of that fear that if these like young people or teenagers especially somehow got into either right. like weed or sex, it would be this slippery slope of just destitute and uh, destruction yeah. and like yeah. Well, you know what I do. I do think that one of the issues in the states, and this is something that I, I find really fascinating. Uh, a guy named Frankie Schaefer wrote a little bit about this, and other people have commented on this issue. And that is that political agendas have shaped kind of the priorities and the dialogue that's happened in the church. And so, what I mean by that is, like, if you have Republican, like, in this case, politicians that have an agenda that they want to fund abstinence programs or they want, you know, they're opposed to abortion or whatever that might be. Well, then that gets into issues of premarital sex and those types of things. And there's been a really close connection between the evangelical church and the Republican party in, in the United States. Mm -hmm. And I think that those political agendas have sometimes added fuel and intensity to the ways that the church spoke about certain things and focused on certain things. And I, I think what you're saying is true. I think that that fear and then that desire to try to control ends up leading to unhealthy ways of talking about the issues that are not necessarily the way that the scriptures would emphasize and talk about those issues. Mm-hmm. And you even lament in your documentary that um, there's one point where uh, you talk about how we kind of gravitate towards legalism. We just want simple solutions. Right. abstinence is just yeah. a simple solution it's not a way to talk about sex or to deal with sex or to talk about your sexual orientation yeah. or anything it's just simple yeah. black and white right right like like you your own criticism of your own book which is that it presented a simple solution here's how to deal with yeah. dating or not deal with dating so have you seen right. a way to kind of navigate past that and like so that we can start to crave the complex because these issues are not black and white they're not very simple yeah no that's so true yeah i i think that it's it goes back to that like listening to other people's stories because usually things seem simple when you're just dealing with a really like small subset of, well, if you're, you know, if your family's like mine, then mm-hmm. you just do this. And, you know, you just meet somebody at church. Cause I go to a church of 5,000 people. Well, not everybody goes to a church of 5,000 people. Not everybody's the same age as you. Not every, you know what I mean? And so I think that the complexity starts with the humility to say, what's your life been like? What are the things you're facing? And, uh, and, a, and a willingness to engage in dialogue. So, you know, for Jessica and I, our, our hope with the documentary is that it would not that it would like present a new idea to say everyone should do it this new way, but instead just to get people to listen to other people and and talk to other people, especially people that are are different than them. Is listening kind of uh, what uh, one of your takeaways, what this experience has taught you in terms of like repentance and making amends? Yeah, for sure. That's been, I think that's been a, a huge thing. And, and, you know, the, the, the process is still unfolding for me. Like I, you know, I really changed a lot of my thinking through, through listening to other people and through hearing their stories and, and, um, and I'm still, you know, I'm still on a journey. So I, I, I think that's a huge takeaway. There's a vulnerability and a humility to saying like I was wrong or I, even admitting to some unhealthy thinking that was in your book and stuff like that. I find that's another significant takeaway because that's not it's not something our culture does well or easily 
So putting aside mm-hmm. like dating and sex, what was that experience like to come forward with the humility and being vulnerable and just like kind of more or less apologizing and trying to make amends? Right. Well, you know, I mean, I don't, people, some people have been encouraging to me and kind of like, you know, this is so humble of you to do. And I, um, I don't really feel that way about it myself because I, I kind of feel like circumstances of my life led me to this point. And if I hadn't had those circumstances, I'm not sure I would have <laughs> done it. You know, it's like, I think I experienced a level of failure and pain in my experience of being a pastor. And I think that experience of failure led me to step away from being a pastor and made me more open to consider that I've been wrong about other things like my book. You know, if everything had been just going perfectly, uh, I don't know that I would have stopped and even been willing to, you know, to think about that. And, uh, and then, you know, even the way that it unfolded, you know, I was trying to, to get started in, in, in reevaluating it and it ended up getting kicked into a very public process because of social media, you know, and I can wonder sometimes like, man, I, this was such a hard thing to start. If that hadn't happened, I'm not sure I would have you know gone through with it, you know, mm-hmm. and even the documentary that, which was Jessica's idea. And I kind of, at first I said I wouldn't do it and then I changed my mind and we decided to do it and then we decided to crowdfund it on Kickstarter and there was a point where we were getting close to the deadline and it, and it didn't look like we were going to get the funding and I honestly thought I hope we don't get the funding because <laughs> I just I was like I don't want to do this film like this is going to be brutal like this is going to be so painful and it, the funding came through and people stepped forward and donated and I was like oh crap you know and (laughs) and so you know it's just uh I guess what I'm trying to say is that it's it's really hard and it was really hard for me and you know even now people will criticize the film or me and that's still hard for me you know and I'm I'm like ah and I'm so I'm trying to listen to them but it's tough to listen to your critics it's tough to admit you're wrong and I think for me it's because my identity and my security and even my livelihood was was wrapped up in in the book and so it's it's been a pretty traumatic but i'm you know experience but i'm I'm so glad i did it because i think it was the right thing to do but it also gives me i guess like sort of understanding towards a lot of other people that don't do it mm-hmm. because it's uh it's not it's a messy process yeah i mean the 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 term that we use now in terms of dating is ghosting where people just don't respond at all. Yeah, You'll have exactly. a good first date or something, and then you think it was a good first date, but you don't ever get the report card. You're very fortunate in the sense where you got a report card. It may have been a little bit more meaner <laughs> and rougher than you would have <laughs> liked, right? But you got a report card, and so you got an ability to kind of make corrections and to change things. A lot of times uh, um, with like dating and stuff like that, it's just weird because it's like we're kind of built into this idea that we should know how to talk to girls or how to ask girls out or how to treat girls or whatever. But dating's a yeah. lot like money where like if you haven't been properly trained or had your parents put some time and told you how to use a bank system and stuff, you know what I mean? Then you wouldn't yeah. naturally know how to date or how to. So you end up in these awkward situations, but you don't always get the right. feedback to make the changes. No, that's a, that's a huge, that's actually such a huge point. I mean, and I, the thing that I think is so, the thing that frustrates me most about like the way dating relationships work uh, for a lot of people is just that it's like, I just wish there could be more like genuine care 
for other people, even if it means like saying, you know what, I don't want to go out with you again, but you need to like not talk about yourself the whole time kind of, or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like that kind of honest, honest interaction. And I think that's where the church has such an opportunity to be something unique in creating communities where people have a commitment to each other that's bigger than just getting married, dating, having sex or whatever. And, at, at, you know, at, in our, at our best, I think humans, all humans should strive for this to say, you know what, our common humanity and our common brotherhood and sisterhood should be something that causes us to want to look out for the interests of other people. And I mean, I think to me, that's the most beautiful part of Jesus teaching. It's like, you know, considering others better than yourself and um, doing unto others as you would have them do unto you and laying your life down and, and all of those things. Like, I just think that makes our relationships in the world so much of a better, better place. You close the documentary and you even mentioned it in the, in our discussion that one of the ideas you want people to kind of take away is thinking for yourself. And isn't right. the, the risk of encouraging people to think for themselves that we run into heresy? Like, because then it's not yeah. going to be that type of consensus, which is what kind of people are more comfortable with, that status quo. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, I, I do think that that is, that is the risk. And that's just the amazing risk that God takes with us. You know, he gives us the ability to make choices and then be responsible for the choices we make, even, even if that, even, you know, even when that includes rejecting him. And so, um, I think that the impulse to try to help people by controlling them, it might seem to, to help in the short term, but it always backfires. It backfires by creating people who are just weak minded and don't think for themselves, but it also backfires in that it creates a lot of resentment and hurt in different ways. So, you know, you can want to protect someone from, the heartache of uh, an ill-timed relationship or having sex with someone that then like just doesn't care about you. That might be really painful, but if you try to use control and manipulation to protect that person from that, you're going to cause harm to them in a completely different way. Mm -hmm. So what is next for your journey? You've written the book. It was a bestseller. Uh, you followed up uh, with a rebuttal, I guess. I survived. I kissed dating goodbye. Uh, just kind of acknowledging and dealing and lamenting with some of the issues in your book. Right. What is next now for you uh, following the documentary? Well, I live in Vancouver, B.C., and I just got permanent residency in Canada, which is like a huge a deal for me and my family. Nice. Good job. And I uh, thank you. Yeah. Thanks for letting us into your country. <laughs> now you can, uh, you can win the roll up the rim to win at Tim Hortons. <laughs> so now we, uh, I'm just running my, uh, a small business. I have a, a marketing and brand strategy agency and, um, I love storytelling. I love the power of words and helping other people clarify their message so I'm, I'm doing that and um, yeah I'm, I'm just enjoying enjoying uh, life in Vancouver if people want to see the documentary uh, is it online uh, is it going to be at different film festivals where can people see it yeah the, the film is available free online the easiest way is uh, you can go to exploration films to find it, but maybe the easiest way to remember is just at my website, which is joshharris.com. There's a link to it there, and uh, you just give your email address, and they send you the, the film that you can watch for free, stream mm -hmm. for free online. 
it's going to be available on Amazon Prime again. They took it off to, to fix something, but it's going to be available in Canada and the U.S. Um, sometime in the, couple, in the next few months. You can watch it free on Amazon Prime as well. All right. And where can people find you? You mentioned your website. Where can people find you if they want to talk about the book or about the documentary, hopefully in a nice way? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, um, I don't really have any sort of online forum or anything like that. But, um, yeah, I, uh, you can go to joshharris.com. And then I Survived I Kissed Dating Goodbye uh, has a great website. There are interviews that people can – this is something that Jessica runs. I don't – I've not received any, any compensation for the film, but I would love for her to, to make a bunch of money because of all the hard work she put into this amazing film. But if you search I, I Survived, I Kissed Dating Goodbye, there's a website with other interviews you can see. And um, and there's also a, a page on Facebook for I Survived, I Kissed Dating Goodbye where people can interact with other people about the film. All right. Thank you, Joshua Harris, for uh, taking some time to talk. Uh, we covered a lot. We covered, like, uh, the Christian <laughs> culture to weed to, like, uh, thank you for yourself to heresy. Right? So, oh, man, that was great. I, I, I love that you got weed in there, too. That was, that was pretty good. Yeah, right? So <laughs> here you go. Yeah. Represent Vancouver, right, BC? Come on, man. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, no, thank you for your time. Uh, my name is Sam Yunin. This has been another fantastic episode of My Summer Lair. You can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. My pal Sammy. <laughs>